0: Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time 2010. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. But do you gird your loins, stand up, and tell them all that I command you? Be not crushed on their account, as though I would leave you crushed before them. For it is I, this day, who have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron, a wall of brass, against the whole land, against Judah's kings and princes, against its priests and people. They will fight against you, but not prevail over you. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. The Word of the Lord I will sing of your salvation. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me and deliver me. Incline your ear to me and save me. I will sing of your salvation. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. For you are my rock and my fortress. O my God, rescue me from the hand of the wicked. I will sing of your salvation. For you are my hope, O Lord, my trust, O God, from my youth. On you I depend from birth, from my mother's womb you are my strength. I will sing of your salvation. My mouth shall declare your justice, day by day your salvation. O God, you have taught me from my youth, until the present I proclaim your wondrous deeds. I will sing of your salvation. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It is not pompous. It is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interests. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. If there are prophecies, they will be brought to nothing. If tongues, they will cease. If knowledge, it will be brought to nothing. For we know partially, and we prophesy partially. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I used to talk as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. At present, we see indistinctly, as in a mirror, But then, face to face, at present I know partially, then I shall know fully, as I am fully known. So faith, hope, love remain, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue, saying, Today the scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Isn't this the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me a proverb, Physician, cure yourself, and say, Do here in your native place the things we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, No prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to the widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet, not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. When the people were in the synagogues heard this, they were filled with fury, and they rose up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Hello and welcome to Your Sunday Reader. I'm Father Brian, and I'm flying solo again today. Don is... Unable to make it to the podcast. Actually, it's my schedule more than Dawn's that made it happen this way because I've been busy all week and wasn't able to do a podcast until now, and Dawn wasn't able to do it at this time. So, unfortunately, we don't have her with us. But we will still go through and look at some of these readings for the upcoming Sunday. One of the things I'd like to start with is Luke's Gospel. In Luke's gospel, one of the key things we always have to remember is Luke is writing to an audience that's largely a uh, Gentile audience. So his concern is showing how Jesus is the Messiah, not just for the Jewish people, but for all people. And of course, we've got this story here where Jesus is in his hometown preaching and his own people don't accept him. What's interesting in the story is you might say, why did these people just turn on Jesus all of a sudden? I mean, it seems early on they're there. They were amazed. It is the gracious words that came from his mouth, as it says here. And then at the end, they're ready to drive him out of the town. So what happened in these nine verses that made them go from listening attentively to the words of Jesus to going out and getting so riled up that they're driving him out of the town, ready to hurl him down headlong down the cliff? Well, here's what happens. Jesus compares himself to Elijah and Elijah. And Elisha, sorry, Elisha and Elijah. Um, And what happens in this whole transition here, this whole imagery that happens, is that Jesus is announcing the type of Messiah he is going to be. He is a prophetic Messiah his liberation is not going to be one of freeing israel from its political bonds from its economic woes it's going to be one where we're going to see that he is a prophet and then this and this is the part that gets the people all upset not only that is he's going to be a prophet for all the nations you see He's kind of taking this message of salvation that the many of the Jewish people thought were just for them. They thought, he's coming to save us. But like Elijah and like Elisha, he's going to go outside of those boundaries. And he's going to make salvation possible for all people, including the Gentiles. Well, see, the Jewish people in Jesus' hometown don't want to hear that. This would be something akin to us, perhaps, hearing the president in his State of the Union address say that he's looking at his presidency not only as one where he's going to lead America, the world's greatest nation, but he's also going to lead all the nations so that they become one great worldwide economic power and there'll be equality amongst all we'll see as americans that might offend people they might say wait 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 a second we're the greatest nation you're supposed to be our leader and you're supposed to look out for our interests and you're supposed to be for us well jesus certainly isn't saying he's not for the jewish people but he's saying i'm not just for you And certainly as Americans, we'd probably be upset if our president came to us and said, well, look, I'm not just for America. I'm for all these other countries, too. We'd say, wait, wait, you're supposed to be our leader. You're supposed to represent our needs in America. This is what happens. And so, of course, the people get upset. Of course, they get angry when they hear that this message that he's bringing isn't just to liberate the Jewish people, but that it's for all people. So... This is what motivates them to say, enough, we've had enough, we don't want to hear it anymore, and begin to send him out of the town and prepare to throw him down the cliff headlong and all that kind of thing. Now, that's our gospel story there. One of the other things, though, that I think we need to mention, of course, is as people who were followers of Jesus who did receive his message, and certainly for most of us, we were Gentiles when we received that. Most of us probably don't, listening, don't have these Jewish roots. But let's go to this second reading here from St. Paul, because I think St. Paul really can give us a context for how we should, as Christians, behave, how we can accept this message that salvation is not just for one group of people but Christ came for all people and we still believe that as Christians the Jewish people were upset when they heard that as Christians sometimes we can get upset too when we hear that Christ came for everybody now certainly Christ is the only means of salvation we do believe that and we do believe that he's the only way to salvation but that doesn't mean that Christ cannot save somebody who's Jewish, or he can't save somebody who's Muslim, or he can't save somebody even who's an atheist. Now, this is where Paul's going to come in, because Paul talks about love. And that's the one thing we learn from Jesus, is that God himself is love. And that the way to salvation is by loving our neighbor. It's by self-sacrifice, self-giving. And all that ultimately comes from love, that our self-sacrifice has to be rooted in love. Christ's self-sacrifice for humanity is rooted in his deep love for humanity. And so now we go to St. Paul where he's talking about this dynamic of love. And this is a reading that we hear all the time at weddings. Uh, Most frequently we hear about love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, it's not pompous, it's not inflated, it's not rude. And sometimes these words just kind of bounce right off of us. But let's take a minute to actually look at some of these words. It's not jealous. You see, that's the exact problem that's going on with the people in Jesus's hometown, right? Is they become jealous. This love that he has, this message of salvation that he's going to proclaim, his messianic mission is not just for them, but for everybody. And it's kind of this idea of they're trying to hoard his love or trying to hoard a claim on God. Now, certainly it doesn't mean they don't have a legitimate claim. They are God's chosen people. Very true. But... That shouldn't make us jealous of the fact that our God is not just the God of his chosen people, but of all people. So he loves all people, and he's come trying to save not just his chosen people, but all people. That's how we as Christians, I think, need to approach this. Love is not jealous. Christ is not jealous. Our love, our self-sacrifice, can't be rooted in jealousy, where we get jealous of other Faith traditions, or the fact that Christ might save somebody who's an atheist, or might save somebody who's a Muslim. Next thing, it's not pompous. I think this is something that we as Christians really need to take seriously. And again, I'm not saying we deny our Catholic identity or our Christian identity, because I think that's very important. You'll hear me preach on that. Anybody who listens to my Working to Beat Hell podcast will know that I'm constantly harping on this need for a Christian identity. But our Christian, our Catholic identity is not one of arrogance. It's one of humility. Christ was humble. And our identity comes from following Christ in his way of humility, in his way of the cross. And that's what leads us to salvation. And we need to proclaim that boldly, certainly. And we do it boldly, but not Pompously. So often you hear Christians, and here's the difference. Boldly would be something like when we as Christians come and we're unashamed about our Christian identity. You know, we fast and we're not ashamed of that. We pray, we're not ashamed of that. We're not afraid to go in and admit that we are Christians. We're not afraid to admit that we believe in a certain moral sense. We hold to a certain way of life that involves prayers, that involves morality, it involves creeds, it involves a mission. Okay. That's being bold. Being pompous is when we come and we say, oh, this person is going to hell, or this person is going to be condemned because I know better, because they aren't following Christ. They're not doing it the right way. See, that's when we become pompous, where we say we are better than everybody else. One of the things Christ taught us is that because his mission is universal, because he is the universal means of salvation, that he cares for all people, and he doesn't and say, I care for this group of Christians, and I actually care for them more than I care for this other group who's atheist or Jewish or Muslim or Hindu or whatever. No, he doesn't do that. And so we also can't be pompous or inflated, as St. Paul says. And certainly it's not rude. That's another thing here. A lot of times I think we can be rude, and a lot of times we can even be rude with people who are of our own faith tradition, with other Christians. We have to learn that We're called to this sense of humility, and we're called to Christian charity. Even with people with whom we disagree with, we treat them with charity. We treat them with kindness. We don't treat them rudely. So I think that this here can really help us with this dynamic of how we live this Christian faith out, I think St Paul's reading is wonderful for that. it 's not just something for weddings where we talk in these nice fluffy words about what love is, but love ultimately is a way of life. It teaches us how to act, and again, that way of life is important because that's exactly what we as Christians are called to as a way of life. The earliest Christians were known as the followers of the way. And, of course, we want to be followers of that same way. We come in this great apostolic tradition. And if we follow this way, what we learn is that we need to be patient. We need to be kind. We can't be jealous, pompous, inflated, or rude with people. This is the way that Christ taught us. Anyway, I can see we're running out of time on our podcast for the week. I hope you got something out of this podcast. Maybe it's the idea that Jesus is the means of salvation for all people and how we as followers of Jesus can live out the love that he has taught us. And hopefully you'll join us next week and hopefully it will be in us and not just me next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless.